I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money, but are your bills even accurate? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million to save. Visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast. Holy smokes, did you see the White House Coronavirus Task Force briefing yesterday? Holy smokes, that was a throwback to the campaign of 2016. That is exactly why Donald Trump got elected. Donald Trump and the White House comms shop put together a video montage popularized by this program. We were the first to do it on Rush the TV show and the radio program way, 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 way back in the early 90s, a montage of leftists and Democrats in the media. And now everybody does it. The White House did their own chronicling the media lying, chronicling the media distorting by name, by video, by face, by picture. And they had a meltdown. CNN bugged out of the coverage, claiming that Trump was turning the briefing into a propaganda session, that Trump was turning it into a meltdown. Trump himself was having a meltdown. Trump was losing his mind. The meltdown occurred at CNN MSNBC and the New York Times because they were exposed. The lies they've been telling about, and Trump did, look, he had to do this. He had to gain control of the narrative that he was unprepared. This was all based, the White House did this, because the New York Times ran that story we talked about yesterday on Saturday, that Trump was unprepared, that millions and millions more lives would be saved if Trump had just known what he was doing. We spent yesterday chronicling for you how everybody on this task force, many of them back in January and February, were telling all of us nothing to worry about. There was nothing to worry about because the virus was not going to hit here because it was not contagious. You can go ahead and go to your party. You go ahead, nothing to worry about. Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, any number of people, not just them. It was the president who shut down flights from China. 
in January, and they're running stories, lying stories that were the same lies and the extent of lies that they tried with Trump-Russia collusion and the impeachment fiasco with Ukraine and all of that. Trump had to regain the narrative on this, and he did it yesterday. I got emails from friends of mine who literally loved it. They loved it. I watched these briefings every day, but that one was a highlight. And Trump had a knockdown drag out with a, uh, a drive by reporting from CBS named Paula something or other that she was just rude. She, she was typical. She was classic of the media and how they hate Trump and how they disrespect him and disrespect the presidency when he, when he, uh, when he holds the office. But he had to do that yesterday, folks. And it was, it was great because it was nothing but their words. It was nothing but video clips of the media themselves. Lying and getting things wrong and uh, uh, purposely distorting things. He just zapped them. I mean, just exposed them to the world. This is the kind of thing that needs to happen constantly. The American people who aren't aware need to be made aware of what the media is. You know, I'll tell you, I have, and you who have been listening regularly know this. I've come up with so many different terms to describe the media. The one we use now most frequently is drive-by. But they're not media. They are their own political organization that is an adjunct and maybe even the leader now of the opposition to the Republican Party. They are not media. People believe that media is journalists gathering news and telling people what they don't know because they weren't there. The media goes places, they watch what hap- they watch what happens, and then they file reports. They do newspaper stories, they do video reports on the uh, television news, and so forth. And so they think that they're getting, uh, in most, but many think they're getting an objective report on things that happened that they didn't know about. That's not what media is anymore, and it hasn't been that way in a concentrated way since Donald Trump was elected. They are not media. And we we do ourselves a disservice competitively by referring to them as media. I'm not asking for anybody to suggest alternative names for them. I don't I don't want to do that's not my my point here. I'll come up with it. I'll fix it. I'll come up with something. Um but I, I, Mr. Snurdly, I, I don't. I don't want phone calls with with people and their ideas because that that'll just. I, I want people telling me what they think of the issues and so forth. It is my job um, to come up with a name here, and this is to me. It is crucially important. They aren't media, and while their job title category might be journalist, this is not what they are practicing. What they are practicing is opposition. Whatever Trump is for, they are guaranteed to be against it. Whatever Trump is against, they are guaranteed to be for it. Why are they for or against anything? They are media. Their pretense is that they're objective and fair and all of that. It isn't the case. And look, I know that most of you in this audience are fully aware that they are not media. I think it's astounding. It's still journalism is still taught as a course at many prestigious 
universities and prestigious journalism schools, but even the journalism that's taught today is not really journalism. It's activism, but that doesn't even get there. They are activists, and but, but they are an opposition force that has to be dealt with and acknowledged. And this is what so many of us get frustrated by. So many Republicans still don't see that that's the way they have to interact with them. Um, they're not interested in what Republicans really think. They're not interested in alternative points of views. They have no curiosity about anything. The only thing they're interested in is destroying their opposition, whoever it is, at, at the time, discrediting their opposition. Trump, talk radio, Fox News, you name it. They are not, they are not media. And Trump exposed this yesterday. That's what really happened. Trump exposed that we're not dealing with media. We're dealing with just another opposition force like the Democrat Party, which they are a part of. But it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't even qualify just to call them an adjunct or a branch office of the, of the Democrat Party. The fact that they continue to get away with being presumed to be journalists and that what they do is presumed to be journalism is something that really has to be dealt with because it's not journalism that we're getting from the media. The media is actively attempting to destroy what we believe in and destroy the people on our side who are effective advocates for what we believe in. And fact and truth have nothing to do with it. The evidence for that most recently can be found in the Trump-Russia collusion story. Everybody involved in the story, as I pointed out yesterday, everybody involved knew that the only thing that gave them a case, the Steele dossier, everybody knew it was Russian disinformation that the Democrats had purchased and paid for through the Hillary campaign and the DNC. They all knew. Comey they all knew, ladies and gentlemen. Every one of them knew. And even after the campaign, when Trump was inaugurated, they continued the operation. They all knew. And they were all in cahoots with what we call the media. They were in cahoots with what we call the media. And it is continuing. So yesterday, Trump exposes this. In his own way, and they literally had a meltdown. Jonathan Garl, in the press room, ABC News. Who made that? Who made that? Who put that propaganda piece together? I knew when that question was asked by Jonathan Garl. Who put that propaganda piece together? I want a name. Who did? We did it in the communications office in a couple hours. And, you know, there's hundreds more, John, we could have thrown into that video. We just thought two minutes of it was a good enough amount of time for use here in the briefing. I want to know who put that together. I want a name. That is propaganda. Propaganda. All it was was video clips of the drive-by media saying what they have said about the shutdown, about Trump being incompetent, about lying about when Trump did this or didn't do that, and lying about who else had said or not said things. They were exposed 
during a media presentation, the White House briefing, where millions and millions and millions of people were watching. And they knew that they had to do their best to try to tear that down because Trump was trying to recapture the narrative. He could not let the narrative that he was unprepared which was established by that Saturday New York Times piece. He could not let that narrative go unchallenged. And I'll tell you what, his mood yesterday during all this was flawless. His attitude was flawless. He was not insulting them as he talked to them. He didn't take their bait when they tried to get him to insult them. He was confident. He was on point. He knew the material. He knew that what he was doing was a home run while he was doing it. You know, Jonathan and Carl, who put that together? Who put that propaganda? You did. The media. That's what it was. It was you people. Carl was right to call it propaganda, but... Not the way he meant it. It was not White House propaganda. What they illustrated at the White House was media propaganda. It was really, 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 really well done. Last week, the media... See, I've got to come up with a different term. I've got to come up with a different descriptive term for these people. You stick with media because everybody knows what you mean. Everybody knows who you're talking about, so you kind of have to, I kind of have to use it. But I don't like it. They're not media as people understand it. Anyway, the media complained last week Trump was not universally shutting down every state. Remember? They said Trump was slow to act. They said Trump didn't care. Trump was insensitive. He didn't care about lives lost. He was slow to act because he didn't unilaterally shut down every state. Today, the media is freaking out because Trump says he can unilaterally reopen the economy. Now they're out there saying that Trump is becoming an autocrat and a dictator when last week that's what they were demanding that he be by virtue of things they were demanding that he do. Here's the thing about modern media. Any idiot can do what they do. Any idiot can take the polar opposite position articulated by Donald Trump. That is all they do. Whatever position he takes, they take the opposite one. Automatic. And any idiot can do it. Trump thinks, for example, a medicine might help the sick. The media says it'll kill them. Trump advocates for hydroxychloroquine. The media attempts to discredit it despite evidence left and right, north and south, up and down, all over America that it works. Trump says he loves the country. The media says Trump is a traitor. If the stakes weren't so high in all this, it would be boring. Here's another little illustration. President Trump wants a company country open for business. The left has to oppose it automatically. The Democrat Party has to oppose it. The media has to oppose it. Trump wants the country open for business. They have to. It is required. They have to oppose it. But Rush, but Rush, what about these governors working to reopen? 
We'll get to that. Trump was accused of being too early reacting to the virus, shutting down flights from China, before he was accused of being too late. He was, he was accused of being a xenophobe and a racist because he reacted in January. And then he was accused of being too late as they try to rewrite history. Now he's being accused of being too early to reopen the economy before they accuse him of being too late. You watch. Whenever this economy is reopened, the media narrative will be he waited too long. Mark my words, whatever he does, they must and will take the opposite tack. The, and and by, because of this, by the way, the media is always one step behind because they are a Trump opposition organization. They're always going to be a step behind because they are reactive. Trump does X. They have to disagree with it. They have to criticize it. But they're always Step two, the media told anybody who would listen that Trump would be responsible for hundreds of thousands of deaths, if not millions. They scared the hell out of people. Not long after the media's Category 5 warnings, Trump absolutely flattened the curve. The curve is flattened. More on that, too. Do you realize we didn't flatten the curve to save lives? That's not why we did Were you under the impression we flattened the curve to save lives? That's not why we flattened the curve. We flattened the curve to try to make sure the hospitals were not overloaded. Pure and simple. What about saving lives? I don't mean that as a criticism. I'm just telling you that's that's what the purpose of flattening flattening the curve was. So the the curve has been flattened now. Trump has flattened the curve, and instead of praising Trump and his team, now the media is preparing for their next knee jerk prediction, and that is Trump will kill millions when Americans go back to work. And he knows this. The first death after reopening, Donald Trump's going to be blamed for it. We all know it. He knows it. That's what they're going to do. Whoever, whoever is the first on record to die after we reopen, you wait. This person's going to get hero treatment like you can't believe. That it was unnecessary. This person would still be alive were it not for Donald Trump. And then they will say there will be millions more like the first death because Trump is going to kill many by sending people back to work too soon. When that doesn't transpire, they're going to blame Trump for not getting people back to work soon enough. Fortunately, we have a president who's not afraid to remind the country of media and Democrat predictions. He did that. Yesterday, let's take a brief time out. Rush Limbaugh and the EIB Network back after this. So I said yesterday, I am so happy to hear more and more people talking about reopening the U.S. economy. Um, I was talking to some people last night, Catherine and some friends, my brother. And I said, you know, my, my heart literally is is breaking for people. I'm, I, I drive around. I'm various places. I mean, I have to I have to go to the doctor. I see all these businesses that are closed. And as I drive by them and look at them, I wonder how many of these businesses 
where people's lives work. How many of these businesses, be they restaurants or whatever, how many of them represent boarded up, closed life's dream? Saved up money, worked hard, did everything possible, and may now be ruined. We won't know until the reopening happens. And they realize that we, we've done this to ourselves. This is not the result of market activity. This is not, these people have not lost because of the competitiveness of the market. They've lost because they were ordered to shut down. Now, I'm not, I'm not debating the merits of that. But the reality after that is that there's a lot of people. I don't know them, but I see, as I drive her, I see a face behind every window. And it literally, it breaks my heart thinking about this. So reopening has got to happen. Thinking of my renaming of the media. Why complicate this? Why not just call them what they are? For example, in a White House press briefing, just say representatives of the Democrat Party in the White House press briefing today had a meltdown over Donald Trump's presentation of whatever. And that's what they are. They're members of the Democrat Party. They're representatives. They're activists for the Democrat Party. And not even use the term media. Don't even give them that. The point is that whatever the name is cannot include media. That, that is what has to be stripped from them. They are not media in the conventional understanding of the word. They are not practicing journalism. They are not attending the press briefing to gather information to used to inform the American people. They are in that briefing as Democrats to oppose and harass the president. They are there to conduct a debate with the president each and every day. They are there to deny him the facts and the figures that he uses. They are there to accuse him of lying. They are representatives of the Democrat Party in the White House press room. I, I think that might help people understand my my uh, take on who they are. Here's Larry Kudlow, by the way. Larry Kudlow on the Fox Business Network, Varney and Company. Early this morning, earlier, talking about the reopening of the economy. We want to get folks back to work. You know, folks, ordinary men and women, blue-collar workers, families, small businesses. We want to do it as quickly as possible. It has to be safe. It has to be driven by the data uh, from our key health specialists. But the president, I think, is moving towards some very important announcements in the next day or two. That's the key to it. That's the key to the bite. The president moving forward towards some very important announcements the next day or two. I am eagerly anticipating these announcements. By the way, the president has said that Fox News when they said that uh, Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner are on the reopening of the economy task force. Apparently they aren't on that task force. Um, it's, it's not, he wasn't bashing Fox correcting it. He just said that that's not, that's not true, that Ivanka and Jared are not on that task force. It's Mark Meadows 
And now I'm having a metal block on, uh, on Kudlow uh, Mnuchin is on that task force. I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure if Kudlow is. Uh, oh, Wilbur Ross, the uh, Secretary of, uh, of Commerce. I want to take you back before playing for you the, uh, the audio of the two-minute video that just caused... The Democrats in the press room yesterday to melt down. I want to go back to October 17th, 2016 on this program. At this time, Donald Trump was the nominee of the Republican Party. It's prior to the election. The election was November 2016. And I wanted everybody to understand what had happened. I wanted everybody to understand what Republican voters had done and why in choosing Donald Trump as the nominee for the Republican Party. So here we are in 2016, and the Republicans had what they thought was the greatest field of potential candidates in a long time, 15 Republican candidates from across the spectrum, led by the popular favorite Jeb Bush, and the Republican base said, not this time. And they did what? They nominated somebody as far from the political scene as you can get. They nominated somebody that the political class gave no chance. They nominated somebody that had no ties whatsoever to anything that had happened previously. No elective office held, no participation on any policy, no fingerprints, no nothing. And more than that, they elected a brawler. They didn't elect somebody who disagreed simply. They elected a brawler. They elected a fighter. The Republican base decided to send a brawler, a knockdown, drag out street fighter, something unseen in the modern era of politics. And again, the reason the Republican base decided this was needed is because we, the Republican base, we know the left and we knew what our nominee would face. We knew that this was the kind of campaign that whoever our nominee was going to face, anybody else would have folded by now. And by fold, I don't mean quit, but would have moderated his tone, would have diminished and fallen back to the point that he would be indistinguishable from any other Republican. So this is it. This is now what a political fight looks like. This is what it looks like. And that began my attempt to tell everyone this is what pushback looks like. It isn't going to be pretty. The country is not going to uniformly agree with Donald Trump. The Democrats in the media are not going to uniformly all of a sudden put aside agree with Donald Trump. They're going to oppose, they're going to try to destroy, they're going to try to ruin Donald Trump doing what you elected him to do. I know, I know that many people were hoping that when this actually began, when Trump actually began to implement the things that he was nominated and elected to do, that the rest of America would finally see it and go, yeah, baby, right on. And I was warning everybody that's not what was going to happen, because even if it did, the media would ignore it and not report it. What was going to happen instead was the American people were going to be told day in and day out that this is not what they elected and that nobody's happy with it and everybody wishes they could have their vote back. That became the narrative and that became the theme. Buyer's remorse. My God, the American people didn't know that this is what they had elected. Holy smokes, this is horrible. When in fact they did, they did it on purpose. They knew exactly right. But there were still Trump voters disappointed 
who thought that when the truth of what Trump was going to do and when he began to do it, that millions of Americans would finally see it and agree. Privately, that happened. Silently, that happened. But not publicly. And so it, it, it was left to Trump and his resolve to continue and to not cave to the pressure in order to sue for peace. Now, given that this is who he is, I want to show you evidence of this soundbite that I just played. This is the evidence of the brawler. This is the evidence of the fighter. This is who you nominated in 2016. This is who you elected, and I want you to know that he has not backtracked an inch. He has not caved an inch. He has not succumbed to any of this pressure and softened. If anything, all that has been attempted, the silent coup, the Trump-Russia collusion, this uh, Ukraine thing, if anything, it has steeled and solidified his resolve to continue to defeat these people, the Democrats, wherever they are found, in the press room, on the Biden campaign, in governor's offices around the country, Trump's resolve is as strong as ever to politically defeat them and dominate them and eliminate them as much as he can from having any say-so over what his administration does. So at the coronavirus task force press conference yesterday... During the briefing, a very fired up, a very, very self-contained, confident, non-combative, non-insulting, just down for the facts, Donald Trump played a video for the reporters in the room, for the Democrats in the press room, a video of them Warning people there was nothing to worry about. Of them assuring people. Remember, the New York Times on Saturday runs this story rooted in Trump's unpreparedness, and people died. What Trump did was show he was the only one who was prepared by banning travel from China in January and wanting to do more. And then he played a two-minute assembled montage of various reporters telling the American people there's nothing to worry about with coronavirus. That it's not contagious, that it doesn't pose a problem, and they melted down, the, I mean, in the middle of it. You could see they were melted. CNN bumps out of coverage, starts running Chiron graphics, Trump melting down, playing propaganda video. This was a bull's-eye home run. Uh, our version of it here runs 39 seconds, and here it is. People should be more concerned right now with the flu in this country. A lot of people are concerned about the coronavirus because they're hearing a lot of news about it right now. But the reality is, comparing it to the flu, for example, it's not even close to being at that stage. How worried should Americans be about coronavirus? Coronavirus is not going to cause a major issue in the United States. The president took this move that he was widely criticized for by Democrats and even some Republicans at the time, which was he halted a number of flights from China into the U.S. He was accused of xenophobia. He was accused of making a racist move. At the end of the day, 
it was probably effective. Now that last is Maggie Haberman, New York Times, for March 25th, 2020, praising the president. The end of day probably did the right thing. Probably effective. Oh, Maggie Haberman, the New York Times, two days, three days after running a piece on how unprepared he was, they literally... Were you doing you-know-what to bricks? They literally couldn't deal with this. The names of people on this video, they ought to just are Dr. Jennifer Ashton, John Torres, Dr. John Torres, they're all media guests, Michelle Miller, Dr. David Agus, Maggie Haber, all of these people cited by the mainstream and the Democrats and the media, all suggesting that there's nothing to worry about. Trump was nailing them, just nailing them. The full video ran a couple of minutes, I believe, and he said they could have added 100 more clips to it if they wanted to. And for this, they accused Trump of running propaganda. Yeah, he was. Media propaganda. It's nothing more than actual sound bites of what the... Media was saying a brief break. We'll come back. Uh, let me see here. Yeah, we got we got the conflict between Trump and Paula Reed. But I want to get to the phones. We'll get to the phones because I I, I I a little delayed yesterday. So we'll go to the phones right out of the break here. You're next. Stand by. So Obama endorsed plugs today, and it's it's one of the weakest endorsements. And it, it, it even you know what it does. It even praises Biden for helping Obama manage the swine flu. Now, why would Obama bring that up? Who has been talking about the swine flu very effectively, I might add? None other than your beloved host, the all-knowing, all-caring, all-sensing, all-believing, all-everything Maharishi. Now, you don't believe me? Here, grab very quickly, audio sound by number 26... And the endorsement happened on Obama's Twitter page. Joe gets stuff done. Joe helped me manage H1N1 and prevent the Ebola epidemic from becoming the type of pandemic we're seeing now. See? He helped me restore America's standing and leadership in the world right. on the other threats of our time, like nuclear proliferation yeah. and climate change. Oh, yeah. Joe has yeah. the character and the experience to guide us through one of our darkest times and heal us now listen. to a long recovery. Listen. And I know he'll surround himself with good people. Experts, scientists, military officials who actually know how to run the government. Because yeah, he doesn't. And care about doing a good job running the government. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it, even though Plugs isn't with us. Even though Plugs isn't where he is, he helped me with the swine flu. He helped me with, uh, with uh, Ebola. And now we're going to surround Plugs with all kinds of experts, scientists, and doctors. You will love it because Plugs doesn't know where he is. Okay, we're starting in Miami. George, great to have you as you're up first today of the EIB Network. Hi. Hey, God bless you, Rush. Real quick, um, what, what is your opinion? Why do you think that Donald Trump seems to be going along so um, he just just in bootstep with this Fauci guy, which is a 40-year-old uh, swamp creature. This guy is part of the swamp, and yet it just seems like Trump is just going along with everything this guy says. Little things here and there he'll disagree with, but 
Overall, he's just agreeing. Why do you think he? Now, you've obviously because oh. you're, you're because you're calling me and asking about this. You've obviously thought about it. So what? Oh yeah, I've been thinking about it for four weeks now. I keep asking my dad. He's uh, he loves this guy, and I, I just don't understand. I said you guys have been chanting for four years that it's all fake news. And now, all of a sudden, you believe everything the news is telling you. I just don't get it. And, and so I asked my dad. Wait, 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 wait. Did you, did you just say you think Trump is believing everything that Fauci's telling him or that the media is telling him? Is, is that what I heard you say? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying, like, people like people that, like my father, for example, that, you know, he, he was for Trump from the very beginning. And, and I am a Trump supporter, by right. the way. But. All this stuff about fake news, but now they're so easily being misled into believing all this stuff. And I just don't understand with Trump having a history of always fighting back against these the, the, the evil empire that is the media. I don't understand why he seems to just be going along with this. Why well, no, does really seem to be a I don't know. You did, did you did you see the briefing yesterday? He's going along with nothing. He took it straight to are you asking about media or Fauci? Which which do you want me to address? About Fauci, about Fauci. All right. Uh, here's my, my take on Fauci is that it is a no win to take on Fauci no matter what Trump wants to do. Fauci has had credibility with the American people for 40 years since the 80s, since the AIDS HIV outbreak. And you have to pick your battles. We don't know what Trump is doing privately. We don't know how Trump is dealing with this privately. I'm telling you publicly, he is not going to pick a fight with either Fauci or Team Scarf. Not publicly. Well, now, well, you may want that. You may want that as a sign that Trump has not wavered because you're beginning to have your your doubts. But look, Trump knows that the vast majority of people think and acknowledge that Fauci is a source authority on illness. The danger here is not that Fauci is an expert on that stuff. That can't be denied. The danger is that we can't be putting him in charge of when to open schools and when to open the NFL and when to do this or that. Uh, I don't think you have much to worry about here is the short answer, which I have to give you because I'm out of time. Here is more audio from the uh, fireworks, the White House press briefing room yesterday. Uh, Fredo Cuomo having second thoughts about his life and career at CNN and much more. So hang on. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, a brilliantly conceived, flawlessly executed excursion into drive-by broadcast excellence. So I'm trying to change the name of the... Getting rid of the word media, that's not what they do, and I'm still uh, focused on that. Great to be back. Great to have you here. Telephone number, if you want to join us. Uh, 800-282-2882, the email address, lrushbo at eibnet.us. Expanding on the last caller. Last caller, why doesn't Trump tell Fauci to go jump off of what a... He can't, folks. You got a guy up there, Fauci, with 40 years um, experience, approval, credibility, authority. It just isn't going to happen publicly. It just isn't going to. In fact, I'll tell you, if anybody is moving 
in any direction is Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci has been asked twice in the last two briefings, essentially, please tell us that this guy's an idiot. Please tell us that this guy's an idiot and you're saving him. Please tell us that he's making you say things. Please tell us, Dr. Fauci, that Trump is making you say things that agree with him. And Fauci said, nope, not happening. Even if it is happening, these people are smart enough to know not to air this laundry in public. It isn't going to happen. Look, with, with both Team Scarf and Dr. Fauci, Trump has made them integral parts of his task force. He names Pence to run the task force. Uh, Pence puts these two people on it. They're just they live with it. Uh, it's it's going to happen. As I, as I say, the, the, the Dr. Fauci's perfectly fine uh, in terms of his medical qualifications to tell people about the virus and how it uh, how it expands and how it can be dealt with and all that. But when Dr. Fauci uh, is put in charge of when things reopen and that, to me, is going a little bit too far. And, of course, that's something that media would love to happen. And they would love to be able to report that Fauci has taken over because he realizes Trump is an incompetent boob. That's not going to happen either. You, you, I'm going to tell you something. Well, you, well, many of you are sitting out there frustrated that Trump... Won't do something about Fauci. Let me tell you, the real frustration is over at CNN and MSNBC that Fauci will not dump on Trump. That's where the real frustration is. You, you, you have to understand this. These people are totally invested in their belief that Donald Trump is a scumbag, that he's an idiot, that he has the IQ of a pencil eraser, that he is dangerous, stupid, egomaniac, that he's an ogre, that he's unsophisticated. And, and they are, they're living and breathing. They're hoping, praying for the day when Fauci strides to that microphone and either resigns saying, I can't work with this idiot. This idiot is going to get us all killed. That's what they're hoping for. And that isn't going to happen. I have my own theories about this relationship. And I'm not prepared to divulge them yet. No, oh, Mr. Snurdly getting all frustrated. Then why did you tell us you have theories? Okay, I'll tell you I'll tell you one thing that I think is going on. And I have no evidence for it. I mean, I'm just just it's just me using intelligence guided by experience combined with instincts and an abundance of common sense. I think at the end of some of these briefings that the scarf queen and Fauci, go to President Trump and say, we had no idea how bad this really was until we've seen it. We had no idea, sir. We had no idea how they disrespect you. We had no idea. And you, sir, are masterful at dealing with them. I wouldn't be surprised if that's happening. Now, why it's happening is an entirely different matter. But I wouldn't be surprised at it. Let me tell you what's happening in the White House right now. Trump has met with some survivors, people who have recovered from the coronavirus, some of them African-American. You know, we're now told that African-Americans disproportionately are affected by this. And Trump has met with some, I'm waiting on audio from it, Trump allowed cameras in there. 
an African-American woman told the story, correct me if I get some of this wrong, how she was turned away at hospitals, couldn't get her, not her, but her family members. And then somehow, because of Trump making hydroxychloroquine available, her family members were able to, that's not right. What? Okay, she lost family members. Some of them died. She has coronavirus. Okay, well, what's the... Okay, because of Trump, she was able to get hydroxychloroquine for herself and her family, and it's working. And it's working. And she was praising Trump for for sticking with the hydroxychloroquine when, when the conventional wisdom from the opposition is that he should get rid of it. So we're waiting on um, on audio of of that. Now I want to go back to the audio sound by trip to number three here. We just played. In fact, go back and let's let's get number uh, number two. Get the get the the thirty nine second montage again of the video that the White House comms shop put together yesterday that caused the absolute media meltdown. Trump was not melting down. Trump was in total command. Trump was loving every moment. He was not insulting. He was not uh, offensive. He was confident. He was assured, knew the material, happy to be doing what he was exposing them. Remember now, on Saturday, the New York Times runs this piece, Trump's Unprepared People Died. Trump's unpreparedness is one of major problems here when Trump was the only guy who was prepared early on. He puts together a two-minute montage. We have 39 seconds of it of various members of the media telling everybody not to worry about it. The coronavirus is not a problem. Some doctors in this montage, some media people, it's not a problem. Some media people in the montage agreeing that Trump did the right thing because this sets up some sound bites to come next. People should be more concerned right now with the flu in this country. A lot of people are concerned about the coronavirus because they're hearing a lot of news about it right now. But the reality is comparing it to the flu, for example, it's not even close to being at that stage. How worried should Americans be about coronavirus? Coronavirus is not going to cause a major issue in the United States. The president took this move that he was widely criticized for by Democrats and even some Republicans at the time, which was he halted a number of flights from China into the U.S. He was accused of xenophobia. He was accused of making a racist move. At the end of the day, it was probably effective. Now, that last is Maggie Haberman of The New York Times in March 25th. The reason Trump put that in there is because as recently as March 25th, Maggie Haberman of the New York Times was praising Trump as having done the right thing. New York Times praising Trump having done the right thing in the midst of being accused of xenophobia and racism. At the end of the day, Trump's travel ban on the Chinacoms was probably effective. Trump puts that in there because on Saturday, the Times has this story. He's unprepared. He just destroyed the New York Times. He had to regain control of that narrative. So they have this media meltdown. That's propaganda. Who is Who put this together? We want a name. CNN literally lost it. Their Chiron graphics. Angry Trump returns briefing into propaganda session. Trump melting down in White House briefing. It's the worst we've ever seen. So here's Jonathan Carl interacting with Trump, uh, 
Carl says, why did you feel the need to do that? Why did you feel the need to put together a propaganda video? Who did that? We want a name. Who put this together? Because uh, we're getting fake news, and I like to have it corrected. In New York, ventilators were going to be a problem. They didn't have a problem. We got them tremendous numbers of thousands, but we got them tremendous number of ventilators. You don't hear ventilators are a problem. Beds were going to be a problem. I mean, I'm happy about it. The Javits Center, which is incredible, is almost empty. Because they don't need them. That's good news, not bad news. All they did was took some clips and they just ran them for you. And the reason they did is to keep you honest. Now, I don't think that's going to work. Trump even, I don't think this video is going to change the way you guys are doing your business, but it's to keep you honest. And by the way, it's an important point. They had this massive rebuild. Oh, not a rebuild. They had this massive emergency construction of the Javits Center into a hospital and you didn't need it. Hospitalizations have been way down, including in New York, uh... The hospitalizations are now on the downside. Cuomo's even said, you know what? We've seen the worst. We're on the downside now. Cuomo is one of six or seven other Democrat governors starting to talk about reopening. So, Jonathan Carl, who put that together? Why did you feel the need to do that? To reject the narrative that you people have started. Then he totally nuked another Democrat in the press room yesterday, Paula Reed from CBS. Her tone was utterly disgraceful and disrespectful. No Democrat in the press room should ever talk to the President of the United States this way. And very few Democrats in the press room really ever have. Sam Donaldson has had his moments, and Dan Blather has had his. Her question was, your ban bought you some time. What did you do in that time? You didn't do anything. Your ban, your ban on flights from China bought some time. But you didn't do anything. You wasted an entire month, Mr. President. He called me xenophobic. He called me racist. Every Democrat thought I made a mistake when I did it. I saved tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of lives by doing that. That you bought. The argument is that you bought yourself some time. You didn't use it to prepare hospitals. You didn't use it to ramp up testing. Right you're so, now, you're so, you're so disgraceful. It's so disgraceful the way you say that. You know you're a fake. You know that your whole network, the way you cover it, is fake. And most of you, and not all of you, but the people are wise to you. People are wise to your fake, fake news. What she was getting at is, because there was a lot of crosstalk there. Well, what did you do with the time that you bought? When you banned all this travel and people weren't coming in, you didn't use it to prepare hospitals. You didn't use it to ramp up testing. Didn't use it to prepare hospitals. He just got there explaining what they did at Javits Center. They built field hospitals in Central Park for crying out loud. What do you mean didn't do anything? They ramped up the supply chain for ventilators. How many of you got sick and tired of hearing about the ventilator update every day at these at these task force briefings? You didn't use it to ramp up. So Trump says, you're so, you're so, you're so disgraceful. And then the info babe said, people are unemployed. Tens of thousands. What? What do you expect to happen when the country is shut down and when Trump talks about reopening it? These people, the Democrats in the White House press briefing room, oppose reopening it because whatever Trump suggests, they take the opposite tack. Now, over on CNN, while all this was going on, John King blew a gasket over what Trump was doing, calling it 
propaganda. That was propaganda. That was not just a campaign video. That was propaganda aired at taxpayer expense in the White House briefing room. And it was selective cherry-picking information. He has every right to defend himself. He has every right to push back. He has every right to challenge things that are factually not true. Uh, but to play a propaganda video at taxpayer expense in the White House briefing room is a new, you can insert your favorite word here, in this administration. That's just plain out propaganda. How is it propaganda? Propaganda. If there's propaganda there, it's in the words of the media because that's what the video was. The video was video clips, sound bites of media people telling American people in their newscasts that there was nothing to worry about with coronavirus. Not a thing. There's no, it was, it was nothing but the flu. Nothing to it. Don't worry about it. How in the world can that be propaganda? How in the world? They are, it it is so obvious. You do to them what they do to you. They can't take it. You illustrate for fact they're lying. You illustrate how they distort. You illustrate how they make up. You illustrate how they are dishonest. You can't do that. They will call that propaganda. They can do it all day long. They can run a fake news story on Trump colluding with Russia four or five times a day, every day, for every week, for four years. And they they haven't stopped. They can do that all day long. They can run up and make up stories about Trump's phone call with Ukraine. They can lie and try to derail the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh. They can do all of that. You turn any of their tactics around on them. In this case, this is not even a tactic. This is simply taking their own statements and playing them in the White House. That's propaganda. Propaganda because it happened in the press briefing room. It should be a campaign ad, and Trump's running it in the briefing room. It's It's not propaganda. How can it possibly be propaganda? A, it's true. Everything on those video clips happened. Am I missing something here, Mr. Snurdly? Do you think it was propaganda? There's no way it's propaganda. And just for the fun of it, Jim Acosta. And we're back now because this was a, such a sign of desperation. The walls are closing in on Donald Trump. That was the line used every day for two years on Trump-Russia collusion as the Mueller investigation puttered along. I have to tell you, that is the biggest meltdown I have ever seen from a president of the United States uh, in my career. I don't think a reasonable person could uh, watch uh, what we just saw over the last hour and conclude that the president is in control. He sounds like he is out of control. He was ranting and raving for the better part of the last hour. He's claiming that he has authorities that he doesn't have. The walls are closing in on him when it comes to managing this crisis. If it's such a meltdown, why did you why did you stop covering it? Why did CNN bump out of it? What are you so afraid of? If Trump is melting down, if the walls are closing in, if this is if Trump is demonstrating that he's about to go nuts because this is driving him crazy. Why not keep your cameras on, Jim? Why not let the American people see what you say is happening? Why did you bump out of coverage? You bumped out of coverage because it was going to hurt you. 
I love it. I think this was one of the highlights of these briefings, and I hope that there's more. Got to take a brief time out. Hang on. Back in a sec here. America's real anchorman. America's truth detector. Here behind the Golden EIB microphone, we go back to the phones now. This is Bob in uh, Greenville, Michigan. Glad you waited, sir. Hello. Mr. Limbaugh, pleasure speaking with you, and I love your beard. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> you must be watching to... the program as well, then. I, I'm not. I'm not. But uh, I've seen your beard recently, and it looks fantastic. Thank sir. you, sir. Very much. Hey, I just wanted to say thanks for speaking some truth into our lives. I feel like uh, in Michigan right now, it's just... It's like the Soviet Union or something. I don't know how to describe it, but basically, you know, we're okay with some of the parts of the quarantine, but we almost feel like our life is, uh, we got like a, a babysitter going on here, you know? There's a lot of my friends that are out of work and, and have successful businesses, and they could run their jobs safely. And uh, I just I just want Governor Whitman to know that we're praying for her, but please don't tread on us. Is all I'm saying. I have a story you might be interested in reading. It is from uh, The Federalist, which is a a really good and relatively new compared to many of the others' website. And the the uh, the headline here is really right up your alley, I can tell. The coronavirus is exposing little tyrants all over the country. And and the tyrants that this piece is written by John Daniel Davidson. He put Daniel, there's a lot of John Davidsons out there. There's probably a million of them. So he made sure to distinguish himself by the John Daniel Davidson, okay? And I, I think that the tyrants that he's talking about here in this piece are the ones you mean. The, the tyrants controlling the states and the cities who are going to resist all pressure to open their little fiefdoms, they have had a new encounter with power. They got a taste of it. And this piece theorizes that they're not going to give it up without a fight, no matter what the president of the United States says. In fact, these people are even resisting uh, at the direction of the DNC to hurt Trump. But they're hurting their citizens under the guise of protecting him. And that's essentially what I what I hear you saying. Uh, Bob, hang on. So you re- react to this if you want. Here, just a second. All right, we're back. And Bob and Greenville, you still with us out there, my man? Yes, sir. Over to one. All right, now hang on. Let me read one more pull quote from you on this. The most egregious example, this is from the uh, piece for the Federalist folks, coronavirus exposing little tyrants all over the country, which what Bob called about here. The most egregious example is an outpouring of authoritarianism. It was an attempt by Lule, Kentucky Mayor Greg Fisher to ban drive-in church services on Easter. On Holy Thursday, one day before Christians were to begin their most important religious celebrations of the year, Mayor Greg Fisher declared that drive-in Easter services would be illegal. To remove all doubt about his seriousness, he also threatened arrest and criminal penalties for anybody who dared violate his order. And in an Orwellian twist, he invited people to snitch on their fellow citizens. He justified this by saying it was to save lives. And the peace has many such examples happening all over the country and how these people are not going to want to give this up. 
No matter what the president says about reopening, no matter even what their governors say, no matter even what the Democrat National Committee might say someday, no matter what Governor Cuomo might say, no matter what Plugs might say. And you're living it in Michigan with your governor there. Do you have your papers, Mr. Limbaugh? I'm just kidding. Hey, look, if, if you want to... Well, yes, I do. In fact, I do have papers. I do have papers. We, we all have papers here in case we are stopped by the authorities. Well, if you want to unite Michigan, Governor Whitmer, just loosen the restrictions, okay? Unite unite us. That's all we're asking. For, so my father-in-law what can do go you think her, well, okay, in an empty what, house. What do you think her objective is? I, I, we don't know. You know, I think there's a lot of people that have a lot of questions. Now, and- wait just a minute. Do you realize what an answer that is? Here, we're, I'm asking you, what do you think the governor of your state's objective is with all these restrictions? And your answer is you don't know. Your well, instinctive I, reaction was not she's trying to save life. She's trying to self, uh, save the state. None of that. It was I don't know. What, what, Mr. Limbaugh, when I, when I see that landscaping is banned in my state... And then I see certain cities have people landscaping the city stuff and are like, you know, independent landscapers can't landscape or my father-in-law can't lay carpet in an empty house. And then I see there really just doesn't seem like there's what's the clear goal here? What are we trying to do? Like, you got to let you got to give free thinking citizens back their their rights and abilities to be able to govern themselves, to make smart choices. These exactly. These are successful business people, you know? Business exactly. People. And this this is what I think. I think uh, uh, the guy that wrote the piece here is exactly right. I think some of these people, uh, governors included, mayors, are going to have a lot of trouble giving up this, uh, this newfound power. And you know, they've got the magic words. I'm just trying to save lives. I mean, who can object to that as an objective? Uh, But this actually represents an overarching larger question that we are going to have to start asking ourselves pretty soon. I I will wager many of you are already talking about it uh, with your families and with your friends. How many of you have said, I just want to go back to normal. I just want to go back to the way it was. Doesn't everybody want that? Don't you wish we could go back to the day before this shutdown was announced? I do. And how many of you have said over the course of years, I wish we could turn back the clock and go back to an America where there seemed to be a little more... Uh, cultural respect it used to be whatever and the the left you can't turn it back you can't go back to Ozzy and Harriet you can't do it because if we did we'd have to reactivate slavery and all that so I'm here to tell you if you're thinking about going back to the way it used to be you're going to have to adjust your thinking You're going to have to reorient your thinking because it isn't going to happen. We're not going back to the way it used to be. We have, for example, Dr. Fauci suggesting that shaking hands never happen again as a means of stopping the spread of the flu and many other communicable diseases. Now, not with the force of law, but Dr. Fauci is suggesting it. 
there are people who are suggesting that we may always have to have masks at the ready. Whenever there is the outbreak of a new strain of flu or such as this, a new virus that we've not heard of, there are people who are going to say social distancing needs to be maintained for the rest of time. Restaurants that used to be able to seat 200 will now be allowed to seat no more than 100. We will not have tabletops any larger than four. We will not be able to put tables closer together than or as close together as they used to be. Any number that you can think of your own examples. And there are going to be people who will... You wait till the environmentalists get hold of this. I mean, they already have. The environmentalists are already happy as they can be because the environmentalists are saying already that the shutdown of our economy has proven we can stop the destruction of the planet by shutting down the evils of capitalism. We can shut down the use of fossil fuels. And in the process, we are still able to keep people fed without them having to go to work by virtue of government spending, i.e. socialism. So the environmentalist wacko crowd is already privately laying the groundwork for this as emergency behavior to save the planet. The pressure to maintain aspects of this shutdown and the limits that it has enforced on the behavior and the general ability to move about by the American people is going to be maintained. It's going to be advocated to be maintained to some extent by many people. And some of them are going to be in government. Now, I can give you counter arguments to this. If you go back to the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln suspended a whole lot of the Constitution in order to preserve the Union. And I'm sure that there were people back then who worried, my gosh, are we ever going to have the Bill of Rights active again? And, of course, we did. The country was able to resume because of the character and the morality of Abraham Lincoln. But it's all dependent on the character and the morality of people in charge of things at the end of this Shutdown. You remember, before this happened, the big argument in America was over socialism, communism versus capitalism. And the Democrat Party had fully thrown in with the socialism side of the argument. That was their objective. Uh, they tried to destroy Bernie Sanders' campaign because he was too open about it. But what his ideas were, they never disputed his ideas. They never said Bernie's ideas are wacko. They just said Bernie can't get elected on these ideas. Meaning... They know country isn't socialist yet. They know, therefore, it's going to have to be forced on people. They know, therefore, that something like this enables them to force it on people. They're not going to want to give up the opportunity this shutdown has presented them. So when the shutdown is ended, when the economy is, quote, unquote, reopened, folks, a new battle begins that we are all going to have to engage in and we're all going to have to be very active in supporting. 
And that is a return to free market capitalism because free market capitalism is going to be said to be the primary reason this virus got to us in the first place. You wait. That, of course, and the inaction of the lazy and self-absorbed Donald Trump. How many of you think, let me just put it to you, how many of you think, let's look at what's been canceled. Spring training and the opening of the Major League Baseball season canceled and no target date to resume. There have been some people, maybe, maybe Rush, we can open the 4th of July Major League Baseball. Yeah, okay, it's been thrown out, nothing official. The closest thing to official that we've had from baseball is the Major League Baseball Players Association, the union. I think it was the union suggesting that games be played in Arizona in empty spring training stadiums. How many of you think there will be Major League Baseball this year? Even if it's just a month or two, how many of you think that it will happen? How many of you believe that canceled Wimbledon... They have canceled the British Open Golf Tournament. The Augusta National Golf Club is not totally caved. They have rescheduled the Masters for November. The PGA, the USGA, rescheduled the uh, U.S. Open, I think, for September, October. I'm not sure which. The, the PGA Championship, some... Some professional golf to the majors have been rescheduled. How many of you think, this is a big one, how many of you think there will be National Football League games this fall in stadiums with fans? Brian, you think there will be. Do you believe that organized team activities will happen this spring? Players showing up? Do you believe that there will be... uh, training camp for NFL teams opening in July and August, as usual. You're shaking your head no. Do you think the Hall of Fame game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Dallas Cap Boys will be played August 6th in Canton, Ohio, with fans in the stadium? August the 6th. You do. Therefore, you believe the NFL season will open on time with fans in the stands, fans in the stadium. Mr. Snurdly, a Cap Boys fan, is nodding his head in agreement. You think that's going to happen? Okay, good. Good, 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 good. Let them. Well, I'm, I'm not suggesting it's a matter of scaring anybody. I'm, I'm sure they've scared a lot of people. I'm, I'm just asking, do you think it could, could happen? Are we gonna, The question really is... Is somebody going to reopen this economy in time for these kinds of things to happen? You think yes. Ah, there you have it. Mr. Snurdly says probably opening next month. Some of the the governors want to open. These Democrats, like Mayor Cuomo, sorry, Governor Cuomo wants to reopen. Some of these northeastern governors want to reopen. Just yesterday, I mean, just last week, oh, my God. Oh, it's horrible. It's worse than ever. Oh, my God. Now they want to reopen. Less than a week, what happened? They're out of money, folks. They're out of money. All right, so let's see what else. Uh, You think Wimbledon could change her mind and reopen, decide to replay if there is a reopening of the, the... By the way, the U.K. 
And I don't know how valid that the UK, so they may be shut down the rest of the year. They've had their people conditioned to stay home and watching Sky News all day for years anyway. So, you know, throw some Boy George videos up there and you can keep the UK population pretty much mollified and occupied. Uh, see, what else uh, could I ask you about? I look at the clock. I have to take another break, but we've got lots on the other side of it, as we always do. So sit tight. We'll be right back after this. Okay, we have the audio from the president's meeting with COVID-19 survivors, people who've recovered from it. Uh, about an hour ago in the White House, and it... it it's typical Trump. He's just sitting there, isn't it? It looks like in a cabinet room, gigantic cabinet table, uh, and he's just riffing with these people like they're old friends. You know, he has that ability. You meet Donald Trump for the first time, and he has the ability to make you think like you've known him and that he's known you for, uh, for years. He's talking... Uh, Football with one guy named Mark Campbell. Mark Campbell used to play in the NFL. He's talking Tom Brady and football with this guy. Uh, like they're sitting in a bar having a beer. And the point is, all these people were suffering from COVID-19 until they took hydroxychloroquine. And they were better. Some immediately, some in 12 hours. The point is, they're all thanking Trump for making it possible because he has been single-handedly pushing it. And, of course, since Trump is for it, the establishment has to come out against it, including the Democrats in the press room. Some in the medical health community had to come out against it. When Trump is for it, it's automatic. They have to come out against it. Despite all the anecdotal stories, and this is what Trump is trying to do, the drug works on a lot of people. By the way, if you just there's – there's a story out there today, Rita Wilson – Tom Hanks' wife, you know, they got COVID-19 while they were in Australia. And she said, yeah, I took Clark when it was horrible. I had side effects. It was bad. I mean, she didn't take hydroxychloroquine. They're two different things. And the best results are hydroxychloroquine with Azithromycin, the ZPAC. Here's soundbite number one of Trump talking to these people. This is a group of people who, uh, in many cases, became quite famous because they went through a lot having to do with the coronavirus, a tremendous amount, and uh, a lot of them were covered, and we know them from the media. They've all got very interesting and very different stories to tell. And I thought what I'd do is I'd go around the room. It's an honor to have them at the White House, and they really are. They're very brave. And one of them was Karen Witsit. She is an Afri African-American Democrat, state representative from Michigan. She's the one crediting Trump. And hydroxychloroquine for her recovery. She's sitting in the cabinet room, and here is that soundbite. It's such an honor to be here, and it's such an honor to be here amongst all of you survivors. I just can't say how wonderful it is to see your face, and thank you for everything that you have done. I did not know that saying thank you had a political line. I didn't know that. I right. thought just saying thank you meant thank you, and I do. I sincerely appreciate that because had you not brought this to the forefront of the, the HQ, of being able to put this out here, I wouldn't be here today to even have this conversation with uh, you. You can say that this is propaganda, but this actually happened. Trump is single-handedly 
from the highest levels pushing hydroxychloroquine when this woman found it, was able to get a prescription, and it saved her. And she just wanted to say thank you. And uh, it's a home run event. And these are the kinds of things Trump has to do, folks, to counter these attempted narratives that are out there against him each and every day. We'll be right back. Hang tight. From the Daily Caller, Dr. Fauci appeared to throw cold water on Trump's proposed date of May 1st, calling it overly optimistic. And he also said that the daily press briefings are really, really draining. Back in a second. With talent on loan from God, you are tuned to the most listened to radio talk show ever in the country, in the world. The Rush Limbaugh program here on the Excellence in Broadcasting Network. And believe me, it is great to have you with us. It is a distinct privilege I have every day to be here with you and I look forward to it and I I thank God for the opportunity as often, well, more than once a day. Telephone number if you want to join us, 800-282-2882. The email address, lrushbaugh at eibnet.us. I just got an email, Mr. Snurdly. Come on, Rush, you know what's going to happen. Fauci's going to wait for the book deal to unload. He's not going to give it away for free. He'll wait for the book deal when this is, I should have thought of that. Speaking of Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci appeared to throw cold water on President Trump's proposed reopening of parts of the United States on May 1st. He says it's uh, overly optimistic. He was talking to AP News, the Associated Press. <clears throat> so we have to have something in place that's efficient. And that we can rely on. And we're not there yet. Okay. You know, I like parsing things as much as the next guy. We have to have something in place that's efficient and that we can rely on. We're not there. What is that referring to? Have to have something in place that's efficient and that we can rely on. And we're not there yet. Uh, folks, I'm going to tell you something. Right here and right now, I am suspicious of anybody who doesn't want this economy reopened. It ought to be the overriding objective of everybody, including the health people. If it, even if it's just a desire, even if it is something they don't think that can happen, it ought to be. A when I see people, when I detect people who are not interested in this, I, I'm sorry. I can't help it. I get suspicious. It ought to be the overriding desire of everybody. This is not sustainable. We are destroying the economy every day that it's shut down. We're destroying it every day. We did it to ourselves. And I, the, the idea that, that there are people who think this could go on like this with no end in sight, that's absurd. It's absurd on its face. Everything happening today is in violation of, of basic human nature. Everything. We don't shut down for illness ever. We never have shut down for illness before. We've never shut down for mass death. We've never done it before. We've never shut down on the projection of mass death. We've never done it before. 
And I'm sorry when I encounter Ben. I'm not talking just about Dr. Fauci. Anybody. I know that the Democrat Party wants to keep this shut down for as long as they can as a political objective. They know how damaging this is to the president. They know how damaging it potentially is when the election comes up. But throw the election out. Just forget politics for a moment. Anybody not interested in doing whatever has to be done to get the economy going, to get people living their dreams again. Anybody who is not focused on that is automatically suspicious to me because I can't relate to it. I can't fathom it. To me, we are way beyond this making sense. Understand why we had to do it, but even then, we've never done it before. Never. And I I just, I'm having daily increasing trouble with this. And now more and more people are talking about it, which is giving the impression that it is finally imminent. And somehow this May 1st date has uh, popped up. And now that it has, here comes the crowd that doesn't want it to happen. Do you realize how against our nature this whole thing is? Forget Americans, human beings. Human beings are not designed. We're not created, designed to sit around. But Rush, but Rush, there's a killer that's invisible out there could kill anybody. Death is present every day. Death surrounds us. Death sadly is part of the human existence. No, I'm not imagining questions here. I'm not suggesting we shouldn't have done that. I'm not even going to go there because that's pointless. We did it. And sit here. That debate's going to happen. Mark my words. That debate's going to happen. You know where the debate's The debate is going to center around the computer models because the computer models... Combined with the great thinking of American politicians is what shut us down. Computer models, which haven't been right yet. They haven't even been close to being right yet. I'm hoping... That there's a state somewhere out there that grows so fed up with this, some governor that grows so fed up with it that he just reopens. Something is going to have to happen. Something has got to give. This just is not sustainable in any which way you wish to categorize it. And I do not believe that it represents greed or selfishness at all to be desirous of people earning a living again and of people producing things. The American economy. What is the American economy? It's not a complicated thing. It's people getting up and living their lives, creating commerce amongst themselves. The American economy is virtually everything human behavior takes, uh, human behavior engages in. You are engaging in the economy when you go to the gym, when you go to yoga class. You're engaging in the economy. 
when you walk down the street, you're engaging in the economy because you had to go buy the clothes you're wearing in order to walk down the street, not get arrested for nudity. Virtually everything you do is economic. And the more of it, the better. The more of it, the more prosperous everybody is. And it boggles my mind that there are people in responsible positions of power who do not seem to have it reopening as an objective. I can understand medical people being worried. I can understand that it may not be time. I can understand medical people saying it's going to be really, really risky. But the idea that we shouldn't do it, sorry, doesn't compute. That's not workable. That's not doable. Not reopening is not doable. As you know, my friends, I have many people who are friends. I've talked a lot. I've talked to people who don't think there's going to be an NFL season. They don't think there's going to be a Masters in November. They don't think there's going to be anything. Now, some of these people are natural pessimists. But they're also examining what they're hearing. And they're not hearing other than from President Trump now. And they're not hearing anybody talk about seriously. I mean, not any. I mean, you, you can find uh, guests on TV shows that are talking about it. But I mean, in officialdom, they're not hearing a big push for it. And without a big push for it, it ain't going to happen. People are going to have to do it on their own. And I suspect that, that might, there are going to be some people that are going to open their businesses because they've got no choice. They have to eat. They have to pay rent. They have to do something. They have to feed their kids. Some people are going to, at some point, this has got to give. At some point, some Americans are not going to just continue to stay home. They're going to want to get on their yachts and take it down to the Caribbean and go to the Grenadines or do something and take pictures of themselves escaping the virus while we're not. But I'm just admittedly really, really curious when I encounter people that don't seem to hold opening up with any interest or desire, because that's not normal. It is simply not normal to want this circumstance that we're in to continue. It is not normal. This is in any which way you define it. So Dr. Fauci says, uh, May 1st, overly optimistic. We have to have something in place that's efficient and that we can rely on. He also said that taking part in Trump's daily press briefings is really draining. He said, if I had been able to just make a few comments and then go to work, that would have been really much better. But I, it, it isn't the idea of being there and answering questions, which I really think is important. It's the amount of time. What Dr. Fauci's talking about is these briefings, let's say they start at 530 and they go for two hours. And sometimes by 7.30, Dr. Fauci hadn't even been called to the microphone yet. He's standing there along with the scarf queen and the supply chain guy, and they haven't even been called to the microphone yet. I've wondered about this. I've wondered how long are they going to put up with this? Speaking of Dr. Fauci, I have some interesting audio sound bites this last night at the White House during the Coronavirus Task Force uh, press conference. 
Fauci admitted that the Trump administration is following his recommendations. The, the drive-bys, the Democrats in the press room have been trying to drive a wedge between Fauci and Trump. They've been trying to get Fauci to admit that he thinks Trump's an idiot, in, in not so many words. They've been trying to get Fauci to admit that, that he's having to talk Trump into doing the right thing because Trump's an idiot. Uh, they're trying to get Fauci to admit that Trump is making him say things that support Trump. And here's Dr. Fauci in one side by reacting to that. The first and only time that Dr. Birx and I went in and formally made a recommendation to the president to actually have a, quote, shutdown in the sense of not really shutdown, but to really have strong mitigation. We discussed it. Obviously, there would be concern by some that, in fact, that might have some negative consequences. Nonetheless, the president listened to the recommendation and went to the mitigation. Oh, and you can hear the air come out in sighs of, uh, of regret media people. Oh, darn it. You mean the president agreed with your recommendation? Yes, he did. He agreed with our mitigation. He agreed with shutting down. And Dr. Fauci continued. The next second time that I went with Dr. Birx into the president and said, 15 days are not enough. We need to go 30 days. Obviously, there were people who had a problem with that because of the potential secondary effects. Nonetheless, at that time, the president went with the health recommendations and we extended it another 30 days so i can only tell you what i know and what my recommendations were but clearly as happens all the time there were interpretations of that response to a hypothetical question it's a, it's a man he's, he's it's a long and roundabout way of saying that trump follows their recommendations i think i think I think it, I think it, I think um, that it pains Dr. Fauci a little bit, but he has to say it because Trump is following their recommendations. So then last night, here comes this, this Paula Reed babe, the info babe from C, C, CBS who caused all the hassle of the briefing yesterday with a question to Dr. Fauci. Are you doing this voluntarily or did no, the president... No, I'm doing it. I, everything I do is voluntarily, please. Don't even imply that. Everything. Are you doing it voluntarily? Is Trump forcing you to do it? Does Trump have you in chains back there where we can't see it? Is Trump denying you food and water? Is Trump making you do it? Don't even go there. Don't even go there. I, everything I do... Is voluntarily, but you can you can see where the mindset is. The mindset of Fauci can't possibly be agreeing with this guy. Fauci can't probably be he can't possibly be doing this on his own. Fauci has to be being forced. Somebody blackmailing Fauci. Somebody's threatening Fauci. Trump is probably being whoa. And then here's Fauci shooting it all down and letting them all down in the process. And back to the phones we go quickly to Excelsior, Minnesota. Hello, Roger. It's great to have you with us, sir. Yeah, it's an honor to be on your show, Mr. Limbaugh. Thank you, sir. I'm, I'm calling about the Republicans in Congress. They're trying to add $250 billion for small businesses, loans, and grants before the money runs out. And the Democrats in Congress, 
They want to add $250 billion to bail out states. Well, at face value, it sounds good, you know, to help the states out, but they're going to use that money to undercut the small businesses. They're going to use that money to keep the states closed as long as they can. Yeah, well, I don't think- you know, one other thing that when you, when you hear bail out the states, there ought to be a word that immediately gets plugged into that sentence, and that is unions. They want to keep unions employed, unions working, unions run a, you know, the Democrat investment in unions. It's a, it's a kind of a, you know, a, a poor man's money laundering operation. The unions then send some of the money back in the form of campaign donations to various Democrat organizations. That's what happened during those Obama stimulus. The Obama stimulus, most of the money that went to the states went, ended up going to unions in the states. Well, after the economy's up running again, I think if you want to consider some money for the states to help them out a little bit at that time, but I don't think until then we should give many money because. When do you think that's going to? When do you think the economy? Everybody say when the economy's up and running. Again. When do you think that's going to happen, Roger? As soon as the states are pressured by the by the citizens and the business people and everybody else that. Uh, my social distance since it's coming to an end, I don't think I can tolerate it anymore. So I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's other people that feel like me out there. So yeah, I'm, I'm ready to live my life. I, I, yep, yep. The natural state. I'm just curious what people think about this. I'm glad you called. Thank you so much. We be coming right back. Hi, welcome back. Your guiding light, Rush Limbaugh, executing assigned host duties flawlessly with zero mistakes. And, of course, talent on loan from God. So I've had a lot of people say, Rush, what about this Chris Cuomo business, Fredo? You haven't talked about Fredo. Well, look, Fredo's been cooped up for two weeks in his basement with coronavirus. And so it's understandable he might start sounding a little, eh, stressed. 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 Uh, Fredo. Well, he may be telling the truth as to how he feels now, but I'm not sure that Fredo really means all this once there's a return to quasi-normalcy. Well, here's here's what this is all about. Uh, Fredo Cuomo got corona and has been going on the air on CNN for two weeks from his basement. He's quarantined from uh, from the familia. Uh, I think they're still sending the veal parmesan down the steps of the dumbwaiter, but he's, aside from it, he's, no, you know, no contact with family. And he, he has a uh, radio show, Who Doesn't, on uh, Sirius uh, XM. And he had a little bit of a crisis, a bit of a breakdown on his radio show yesterday. He lashed out at CNN lashed out at the CNN job. He blasted Trump as being full of crap, although he didn't say crap. And he said, you know what? I I don't want to spend my time doing things that I don't think are valuable to me personally. And I really don't like dealing with hyper-partisanship. I don't like indulging people who are irrational. And he said that having the coronavirus has made him rethink his entire value base and question his status and position as a public figure. 
And he went so far as to say, I don't like what I do professionally. I don't think it's worth my time. They launched into a story about a loser biker who confronted him on Easter Sunday for being outside his home. He said, I don't want some jackass loser fat tire biker being able to pull over and get in my space and talk a bunch of garbage to me. I don't want to hear it. Said he wishes he could have acted like a regular guy and told the biker to go to hell, but he can't do it because he works at CNN. He's a public figure, and so he can't tell a fat biker when he really wanted to look at Madeleine Albright for look at Fox News. Holy smokes, what is that? Oh my God, she blew. She is blue. Do you see that? She could be part of the blue men group. She could be a cheerleader for the Seattle Seahawks. Holy smokes, that's got to be lighting. It has to be lighting. Oh, man. We'll get a screen grab of this and we'll put it at Russia. Somebody quickly get get your phone out at the website. Go to Fox and take a screenshot of that so people will know what I just interrupted myself for to react to. This is the woman, by the way. Madeline Albright, she teaches at Georgetown. This Way to go, Brian. Way to act fast in there. This woman teaches that there's nothing exceptional or special about the United States. Madeleine Albright believes the United States is an accident that occurred at a quirky intersection of time and events. Nothing special. That's what she teaches. This is the woman who, when the Soviet Union fell as a superpower, was very, very worried because it left the United States as the only superpower in the world. That, to her, equaled an unstable world. She doesn't believe in the concept of the United States as the good guys. I'm not exaggerating. I am not making it up. The only way you can think the United States causes an instability in the world is if you don't think we're the good guys. Excuse me, the good guys. And, you know, she's got she's got undergraduates and graduates at Georgetown, and she teaches nothing special about the U.S. There's nothing special about our founding. Yeah, it's just an accident. Intersection of time and specific people and events. Nothing, nothing special about it. That grates on me, but... but She's obviously at home like everybody is. She's obviously using some kind of computer camera or whatever. I, I, I can't believe that somebody at Fox wouldn't say, Madam Albright, you look blue. Uh, is there something that we can do? But, but maybe that's the lighting they've chosen for Madam Albright's set at her home. Because maybe without the blue, it's even worse. Look at that. There's a close-up of it. I'm sorry to focus on this when you can't see it, folks. It's really unfair of me to do this. But like I say, we are taking numerous screenshots. And we will post them at RushLimbaugh.com. Because it's really unfair for me to describe something I can see that you can't. But we'll fix that real quick. Anyway, back, back, to, back to Fredo. He says he's too famous. He can't react to bikers like he really wants to. We have it on, uh, actually, we have some audio. Here is, uh, this is this is uh, his radio show on Sirius XM. This is Fredo Cuomo talking about his job on CNN. I don't want to spend my time 
doing things that I don't think are valuable enough to me personally. I don't like what I do professionally, I've decided. I don't value indulging irrationality, hyper-partisanship. I don't think it's worth my time. Um, Okay, so it could be the virus talking. It could be two weeks of being cooped up. Um, Could be any number. Well, yeah, he did say he's sick of CNN, and he calls it hyper-partisan. You know what's fascinating? There is no hyper-partisanship at CNN because they never get anybody who disagrees with them there. The, 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 the hyper-partisanship at CNN is constant, but it's, it's not as though you face opponents in debate all the time. CNN, doesn't, CNN is devoted to trashing and destroying Donald Trump and everything they do, every guest they have is focused on. Now, maybe that's what Fredo is uh, reacting, but he didn't say that. Here's the next, sorry, here's the uh, next bite. I don't want some jackass, loser, fat tire biker to get in my face and in my space and talk bull to me. I don't want to hear it. Some cat just basically pulls up in the driveway next to yours and starts getting in your face about stuff. How, how's that going to go? How's that going to go? That matters to me more than making millions of dollars a year. That matters to me more. Why? Because I've saved my money. Oh, I don't need the money. I have saved my money. And the fact that I can't get in some biker's face. Well, who says he can't? Could you go grab soundbite number 23? This is August 11th last year. No shutdown. And Fredo is out on Shelter Island with his family, and somebody, the equivalent of a fat biker, showed up and got in his face. I thought, I thought that's who you were. No, punk-ass bitches from the right call me Fredo. My name is Chris Cuomo. I'm an anchor on CNN. Oh, you must... Fredo is from the Godfather. He was that weak brother. Isn't that your And they use it as an Italian aspersion. Any of you Italian? Are you Italian? I got, I got a it's a f***ing insult to your people. It's an insult to your f***ing people. It's like the N-word for us. Wow. Is, that, is that a cool f***ing thing? You're a much more reasonable guy in person than you seem to be on television. Yeah, but if you want to play, then we'll f***ing play. If you've got something you want to say about what I do on television, then say it. I'm going to call me a f***ing Hey, hey listen. What? what? I don't want any problems. Yeah, you're going to have a big f***ing problem. What's the problem? It's a little different on TV. Let's go The only thing that happened was some guy walked up to him at Shelter Island. Aren't you Fredo Cuomo? That's all that happened. And who else calls him Fredo but me? So whoever went to call him Fredo obviously listens to this program. But that's all it was. 
So it sounds to me, this is why I'm saying that what Fredo said on the radio yesterday, really don't take it into account. It's a result of having the virus and being cooped up. Because last August, some guy walks up, hey, you're Fredo Cuomo. And he got in his face. And he didn't take it. And he told the guy what he did. It didn't bother him at all. He didn't think he couldn't do it. So the idea that he can't tell some fight back a fat fat tire biker or whatever to you know where to where to put things is not actually true because Fredo we've got the evidence he's already done it last at Shelter Island. So many people are watching the program on the Ditto Cam via the Apple TV app. It's uh, it's relatively new in the last three weeks to a month. The Apple TV app went out of beta about a month ago. It's now available. All you have to do is search Rush Limbaugh in the Apple TV app store. If you're already a subscriber or member at RushLimbaugh.com, just enter your user ID and password, and you'll be able to watch the Ditto Cam on Apple TV on your big screen each and every day. And you'll have access to past editions, archives. Of the Ditto Cam. It's just the Ditto Cam. It's not the full website, obviously. It's just the Ditto Cam, but available via Apple TV, meaning on your big screen without having to use AirPlay or casting or some other way of getting it on your on your big screen. And uh, I've always said this to people, Rush, you need to be back on TV. The show is on TV each and every day via the, via the Ditto Cam. Uh, here's Jerry in Atlanta. Jerry, glad you waited. Oh, my pleasure, Ross. Thank you so much for taking my call. Yes, sir. Two quick observations for you. One, hey, I took um, last week's, uh, the most recent um, weekly jobless claims number, which is about $16 million, and then I divided that by um, the roughly total number of COVID cases that have been reported from the John Hopkins website of yesterday, which is about 545000 And that comes out to about every case that's been reported has cost about 30 jobs here in the United States. And so I just thought that was interesting. And then here's the second thing I want to uh, bring your attention to. This is where I think Trump's business mindset is kicking in. Trump knows that models matter because he knows that they build habits. And he knows that habits make predictable results happen uh, with less effort or thought. And he knows that a great model will provide a shortcut to great thinking. And I think he's seen that we don't have great models. And because of that, we're not getting great thinking being done, i.e. the federal in- immunity card. Wait, no wait, why do you think Trump likes models or agrees? Or why do you think Trump agrees that we're not getting good thinking or information? What, what makes you think this? Uh, because what's not a model is doing something different every time because the results are not predictable. And I think they just keep getting these different numbers and different uh, results every time, and they're completely way off. And that's not an. That's yeah, not but a model. but my point is that Trump, at least publicly, is responding. He's basing things on what the models are saying. He's not publicly disavowing. Maybe privately, but that's why I was asking you how you might think you know he's doing that because publicly. Uh, everybody's on board. He's still using a 2.2 million number. The 240,000 are using those numbers to show how better they've done, how much better they've done. Anyway, uh, I would love to query you further, but I'm out of busy broadcast moments. Got to go. Appreciate the call. Well, that's it. That's it. Another exciting excursion of broadcast access is over. After that Fredo rant, isn't it strange they try to tell us that Trump is the one who's unhinged? Anyway, have a great rest of the day. We'll be back here tomorrow. See you then.
Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. Are there any moments or spots on any of the sets we worked on over the seven years that you guys felt more at home that were like your little spots on the set you like to hang out? I'm afraid it was the sink. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. You had to act <laughs> by the sink a lot. Yeah. I was behind the counter. Yeah. Right. Doing business constantly. Uh-huh. Mom stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Disciplining you Amazing. in some way. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes that we're endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. GCU believes in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams, offering over 330 academic programs as of September 2023. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. If you've got a military, first responder, emergency medical, or government service background, govx.com is for you. You stepped up to serve our country and communities, and GovX delivers unbeatable deals that you've earned. GovX.com is the only site built exclusively to honor your service. Members save on epic brands and the gear they need for their on- and off-duty lives. You'll get incredible savings on tickets to live sports events, theme parks, and other entertainment. You can even save on travel, hotels, rental cars, cruises, and more. See if you qualify. Visit GovX.com. It's easy and totally free. Use code BUCK in the shopping cart to get an extra $15 off your first order. GovX, savings for those who serve.